wants are unlimited, but resources always limited. So how do you distribute your limited resources between your competing and potentially unlimited wants to achieve a fulfilling outcome for your life? That is what we figure out on The Money Spot. I'm your host, Heather Katsonga Woodward, and this show is all about personal finance in the United Kingdom. I'll mostly share information using a question and answer format. Basically, you send me a question and I answer it. If you've got a question, just type themoneyspot.co.uk in the address bar and you'll be redirected to the exact page on my website where you can send me questions either through voicemail or by just typing a message. Welcome to the very first episode of The Money Spot. For my initial podcast, I thought I'd spend a little time introducing myself so you understand who I am, what my background is, and why on earth I'm podcasting when there are over a million podcasts out there already. Long story short, I couldn't find what I wanted, so I decided to create my own version of it. What can you expect to find on The Money Spot? I'm going to keep my posts very short because I want each episode to tackle a single question. So you can expect a 10 to 20 minute episode once a week, probably on a Monday because that gives me the weekend to work on it. I already blog a lot about personal finance issues. And because of that, I already have a bank of finance questions that people have asked me in the past. If you send me a question using a text-based method, I'll get someone to read it out for me, probably my sister Tiamo, so that it can be added to the podcast as a voice that sounds different to mine. So don't get confused if you hear the same voice asking questions across multiple episodes. If I get really good at knocking these blogs out, not very likely, then I'd rather produce two 10 to 15 minute episodes rather than one 30-minute episodes. There's a really simple reason for that. I found that I loved the Q&A type podcasts, but I always found myself forwarding through the questions that I didn't think were relevant to my life or I just didn't find interesting to me. So by putting every single question up as a different podcast, you won't have to do that. You'll be able to tell from the title and description whether it's a topic you're interested in or you're not and whether you should play it or not as a result. Now, I've got my sister Tiamo on the line with me, and she's going to ask me a few questions so that you can get to know me through her. The slight quirk is that Tiamo and I sound very similar. I've lived in the UK for almost 18 years. She's lived in the US for like 11 years, but we still sound very much the same. So I hope this works. (laughs) So Tiamo, ask me the questions you need to ask. Oh, well, hi, Heather. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Let's start with an easy one. What's your name? Heather Katsunga Woodward. That's a good one. And how old are you? 36. That will give people a point of reference for, you know, how long has she been out of university for? Is she kind of going to be relating to my kind of issues? I can speak to people of any age and answer their personal finance questions. But Mm -hmm. yeah, for your reference, I'm 36. 
All right. And tell us a little bit about where you live. Birmingham, United Kingdom. Not Birmingham, USA. United Kingdom. That's a good difference to know. Now, what about, tell us a little bit about what made you want to start a podcast about personal finance in the UK. Well, in 2018, I was working through an accounting qualification. So I was very efficient with my evenings. But Mm -hmm. I finished that in 2018. And in 2019, I basically just chilled and watched TV in my evenings. And I kind of reached the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And I was like, I don't like how I'm spending my evenings. Let me do one thing with two or three evenings that's productive and that will lead, you know, to something. And to be honest, I really didn't want to start a podcast. I've podcasted in the past and I didn't stick to it. The administrative hassle of producing a podcast gets really tiring really quickly. And at some point, I just give up. So this time, I'm setting myself a fixed goal of at least 100 podcasts before I stop. And if I do one a week, I'll be done in just under two years. Overall, I thought podcasting was something that was fun because I could do two to three hours of blog writing and then a podcast. And I can do that in, you know, a very short amount of time. So it won't be like I'm eating up all my free time, but I'll Mm -hmm. still be doing something that's helpful. And I absolutely love helping people with finance. And I'll discover whether helping them with their finances through podcasting is for me. Right, right. So why is your podcast about UK finance specifically? Isn't personal finance the same everywhere? I was actually looking for a UK-based personal finance podcast myself, hosted by a woman. I just wanted a woman's voice. And I went to Apple Podcast and I turned up zilch. Nothing against men, but I was already listening to a lot of audible books by men at the time. And I just wanted a female perspective added to that mix. And this is how I found someone called Paula Pant. She has a show called Afford Anything. And I really enjoyed her show. But the detailed stuff is very much for an American audience. I guess maybe that's one of the reasons I was forwarding through stuff. Uh, There's a good amount of generic knowledge, of course. But there's also a lot of things like stuff about Roth IRAs, traditional Roths, backdoor IRAs, 401ks, 529 plans, 1031 exchanges, really detailed stuff. Are you <laughs> yet here? I definitely am. Don't worry. I was too. But I now know so much about the US system and it's thanks to her. And that's what made me think we need something like this. That's mm-hmm. for the UK because there are people in England that need or want to know this kind of thing. So is Paula Pant your favorite personal finance podcaster? She's definitely a gift to personal finance podcasting, especially that of the U.S. variety. So I suppose I could call her my current favorite. But there's a lot of personal finance books I love, too. But, yeah, when it comes to podcasting, that girl has a melodious voice. You just enjoy listening to her, and she really knows how to break it down. I also listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey. I did last year, at least. Because I like hearing all the different problems people call him with uh, rather than his advice necessarily. But I find that his baby steps and his perspectives don't translate as well to the UK. They don't translate perfectly, at least. And you definitely need to adjust what you're going to do to account for our tax and legal system, as well as the structural differences 
between the UK and the US, for example, property seems to work so differently in the UK versus mm-hmm. the US. Right. Okay, that's wonderful. Well, tell us a little more about your qualifications for this podcast. For a detailed list, you've already got my name. I'd say go onto LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, big picture. I've got an economics degree, so you could call me an economist, but I also have an accounting qualification, so you could call me an accountant, but I, I generally identify as an economist. However, personal finance is just a massive hobby for me. If you go to my blog, you will find personal finance blogs from as far back as 2007. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't listen to me as I'm listening to her because she has these qualifications. You should listen to me because I'll just give you a good and fresh perspective on your issues. If you're really going to do something, get professional advice. What I talk on, about on here is not advice. It's just information and it's just perspectives on how to do different things. Mm-hmm. And my perspective comes from the perspective of an employee. I work and I love going to work. I love the nine to five. Well, they call it the nine to five, but I work my own hours. Maybe that's why I love my job. It's flexible, but I would say I do have some finance qualifications, but those are not the thing you should be depending on. Hmm. So would you say that this is a side hustle that you have going on that you're trying to grow into a full-time thing? Definitely not. I love my job. I love, love, love my job. Now, I'd see this more as a hobby. If I made a little bit of money from people buying products that I have on Udemy, great. But the best I would hope for is that the hobby would, would just pay for itself. Mm-hmm. I don't intend to leave my job. I Traveling as a lifestyle is not a thing for me. I like traveling for holiday. So... Well, that brings up a good question. Are you, would you consider yourself risk averse or do you love to take on a risk? I would say I'm medium risk loving. And I think this has changed over time. Before I had kids, I was very risky. After I've had kids, I am more risk averse. And Mm -hmm. also I went through what's called a county court judgment in the UK, uh, which is a mark against your credit. And that whole experience made me much more risk averse. I got it expunged within three months, but the shock of it, the lawyer sending thick piles through my door just made me become more risk averse. So Hmm. going from the very risk loving end where I was, I'm just in the middle, maybe closer to the risk averse side. So it sounds like you've been both employee uh, and entrepreneur. So would you say which one is better? I would say employee for me for the two reasons I've said, the impact of having children, you just want a bit of stable income and having kids is costly, especially as mine go to a fee paying school. But even if it's just nursery, you just want a stable income. Nursery isn't free in the UK until you're three. Mm. So employee and the statistics show that the majority of people who are millionaires did it through more regular type work rather than entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurs have a success rate of something like one to 3%. Those are are the ones that make it to the, you know, gazillions. So I think the path to having a secure future, being a millionaire is probably highest and safest as an employee. So yeah. Well, let's go into a few of these questions that people have started sending in already. Just, you know, jumping into a few big um, of the the big finance questions that some of the women and other people in our audience have. 
Um, so one big question is, um, what's better, putting money into a pension or a property? I'd say a bit of both. But when I was younger, I thought 100% property because I grew up in a high inflation country. But in the time that I was an entrepreneur, the most money I made was in the growth of money that was in my pension. So now I'm all about do a bit of both, some property, some pension money. All right. And what about fund management? Is it better to do passive or active fund management? I'm really sold by the stats that say passive investing gives you the best chance of success. But I do a bit of both as well. If you are investing through your pension, I'd say go for more passive strategies. If you're investing through some kind of individual savings account, an ISA or a taxable account, go for a bit of both. Right now, I think I have 50% passive and 50% active, but I'm actually working towards 80% passive and mm. 50% active. So yeah, for most people, I'd say go passive. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it'd be most manageable for a lot of us. So let's talk a little bit about the stock market. Is this a stock market? Um, yeah. Buying uh, and holding uh, or timing it out. What's better? I think if you try to time the market, you're really likely to lose. I'm a buy and hold investor. And even when my stocks are tanking, I'm likely to hold. The only time I sell is when I've decided that that fund does not have the sort of investment focus that I want. So buy and hold, um, mm. trying to figure out what the market's going to do and make a profit from that move. It's something you can only do if you've got lots of time. The average person doesn't have that much time. So it's better to just make a decision. I'm going to buy this thing and whatever happens, I'm holding on to it. All right. So speaking about investments, which one would you say is better, the FTSE 100 or the S&P 500? At the moment, I'm not really bullish on the British economy. So S&P 500. All my money is in either S&P 500 trackers and actively managed funds that tend to have a U.S. focus. So mm -hmm. S&P 500 for me, uh, when Brexit has worked its way through the system and I can see a more clear and certain future, I might start, buy FTSE, start buying FTSE 100 trackers. But at the moment, mm-mm-mm. And also, just to give you an idea, um, the, the, the money that was in the pension when I was self-employed that increased in value a lot was in a passive global tra uh, tracker. So it was passive and it was global. So I'd say it's going to be quite weighted towards the U.S. economy, given how large the U.S. is. Right. OK. So what do you think of commodity investing? I'm not into it at all. Huh. I read a book last year by Charlie Munger. And he basically said that him and Warren Buffett don't invest in things like gold or whatever, because those things don't have intrinsic value, which mm. means that their value is completely based on the scarcity that is created by the people that mine them. Whereas mm. things like a company have intrinsic value. They have value because they're producing something. So that really changed my focus and thinking on investment. And yeah. when look at putting money into something I try to see look for things that have intrinsic value so this is why I'm against commodity investing all right well those are the questions we've had to start off and I just wonder Heather do you have anything else as we finish off your very first podcast that you want to share with your listeners 
I think I have one thing. The biggest thing to remember when you're listening or reading to something about personal finance is that absolutely every person has a perspective and a philosophy based on their own life experience, their values, and maybe even their education. So if they had a bad experience in work, they're going to be, you know, very much towards entrepreneurship. Just as a simple example, Dave Ramsey, who I listened to a lot last year, he's driven by his Christian faith, and that influences many of his views. Paula Pant enjoys traveling, and that colors many of her views. For instance, Dave Ramsey had a bankruptcy when he was younger, and that has influenced how badly he sees debt. So when you listen, think, oh, is that philosophy one that agrees with my own philosophy on mm-hmm. life? For instance, me having children impacted my risk tolerance. So it's a good idea to read and listen to a variety of perspectives so you can develop your own theory about money and the kind of role you want money to play in your life. Right, right. That's a really good perspective, Heather. I think all of us would uh, really gain to benefit uh, by keeping that in mind and listening to all of your interesting perspectives. I, for one, look forward to hearing more from you, Heather. Thanks for thinking up this wonderful idea. Thanks, Tia. And I hope you don't mind reading all the questions I get through email pro bono. I'm your sister. I look forward to it. (laughs) Thanks. Speak later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to ask me a question, read my blogs, or support this show in any way, please type themoneyspot.co.uk into your address bar and you'll be redirected to my personal website.